Hey there, friends. This week we wrapped up 1 Timothy on the listener's commentary. And yet before we leave 1 Timothy behind and begin 2 Timothy, I just wanted to take a few minutes with you and offer some reflections out of 1 Timothy. Um, and so I got my cup of tea. I'm a tea drinker, not a coffee drinker. I apologize to those of you who love your coffee. I got my cup of tea, got my Bible open to 1 Timothy in front of me. And I just wanted to take a few minutes and offer just kind of some overarching reflections on the letter of 1 Timothy. And to begin, I just want to say, to me, I think it's a shame that 1 Timothy is now known as the book that has that passage about women's roles, and thus it's the passage that we all fight over about that. That is a shame because there is so much worthwhile in 1 Timothy. Uh, and it's a shame because uh, when that's what we focus on, we miss out on the wealth of what 1 Timothy has to say and to teach us. And, and Paul's stated objective in the letter itself, as we noted in the commentary going through it, his stated objective was he was writing to Timothy um, so that Timothy could pass on sound teaching to people so that they might know how someone ought to conduct themselves as a part of the household of God, as a part of the family of God. And Paul says that's what the church is. It's a household. And so that's his aim and his objective. And so to focus on this one little bit um, where we struggle to understand all of the, that Paul wants to say, man, that's, that's unfortunate. And then to make that something we fight about, which is ironic because in the, the verse right before that one starts, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, Paul tells, he says, I want the men in every place, very specifically speaking to the males, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger and disputing, without bickering and fighting. That's ironic because then this letter becomes a source of bickering and fighting. And that's not how God wants us to conduct ourselves as part of his family, as part of his household in the church. So I, I, I think that's important just to take note of that. And then I want to step back and say, when Paul says that about his objective, when he says that I'm writing to you so that someone might know how to conduct themselves in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, and then you read through everything else he says in the letter, that idea of the church as God's household or God's family rings through loud and clear in the letter. And Paul writes in such a way that we need to hear that. And so he, his advice to Timothy about how they treat old, how Timothy treats older men and uh, older women and younger men and younger women and how he relates to them is driven by a household ideal. Like, this is how you should speak to them, Timothy, because you're like a household. And this is how we need to conduct ourselves in the household. Um, the, the expectation for the leaders in the church is that they can manage their own personal household well. Why? Because that's the testing ground for managing God's household. And so this family ideal is really central to what it means to be the church. And sadly, it feels like the way, at least in a lot of the churches that I am familiar with, the way we do church is more modeled after 
um, organizational leadership structures and business structures rather than family leadership systems and family structures. I think somehow we got to figure that out um, because the relational component of being a family has so many dynamics that are powerful and life-changing when done right and wisely and well. And we just don't have that. Uh, and so then we're trying to counteract that, you know, by saying things like, you know, church is not, you know, an observational activity. It's a par participational activity, which is true. But the way we do church emphasizes the observational aspect. Come, sit, come to our service, go to church, and, and you know, participate in the service. And that's where the vast majority of people find themselves on Sundays is just sitting and participating in a service. But that doesn't feel like family. And sometimes it's really, really difficult to, to get involved. If the church is even a little bit larger, it's really difficult to even get involved in any aspect of it that feels like family. Now, look, I've been a pastor a long time, and I'm not slamming churches, and I'm not slamming pastors. I know how difficult this is. I get it. Uh, and yet, I'm afraid that because we have, um, because we have, in some ways, glorified growth, like numerical growth and size, and because, uh, in some ways, we have glorified organizational leadership, people have taken a back seat. People have become less important. But the reality is, if we're going to do, quote-unquote, if we're going to do church in any way that remotely approximates the kind of thing Paul is addressing in 1 Timothy, as well as his other letters in the New Testament, if we're going to do church in any way remotely like that, people need to come to the fore. And whatever organizational elements we have in the church and we need, they exist to serve and benefit the people. The people don't exist to serve and benefit the organization. And we've got to get that straight in our mind, that if the church is God's family, God's household, then caring for people, leading people, shepherding people, uh, developing people, interacting with people, that's got to come to the fore in how we, in whatever church systems we put in place and whatever organizational structures are required. And a lot of times it doesn't operate that way and it doesn't feel that way. And sometimes it can be very, very difficult for people to feel like they're little more than a cog in a machine. And that's unfortunate. That's not how to conduct yourself uh, as the household of God. And so we've got to figure that out. How can we emphasize the family nature? How can we bring people and relationships to the fore? How can we uh, help people relate to one another as family? How can we create a, a church body where, where people can be, in some senses, almost reparented from a, a, a relationship structure and a family life and a worldview that was not in keeping with the way God designed the world to operate. And how can we help them learn new ways to relate to one another, new ways to do um, marriage and family and business and life that are rooted in the worldview and the wisdom of God? That's going to take some family-like um, 
care and guidance and investment. And it's going to require us to maybe go slower, maybe be uh, more relational, maybe be more willing to, you know, engage in difficult conversations and really get to know people. And that's going to be challenging. So that's one of my reflections on 1 Timothy is just family. Uh, when you read through 1 Timothy, the whole thing is about being a family and conducting yourself as the household of God. And we need to figure that out. And Timothy, Paul's advice to Timothy, actually has some wisdom for us on how to do that. Um, and one of that pieces of wisdom has to do with the leadership. Um, not just leadership, really everyone, but Timothy, uh, 1 Timothy has a lot of instructions to Timothy about the leaders in the church. And what strikes me in that, two things strike me in that, is um, the ability not to be like a business-minded leader, but to be a leader of people. When you even read the instructions about elders, the testing ground is his household, his family, where you're organizing and managing and leading and shepherding people relationally. So that relational component shows up even there. But the other thing that shows up consistently in 1 Timothy across the board in every venue is the importance of character. Character is front and center, not charisma, right? Not, you know, your, your business acumen or success, but your character. That's what Paul emphasizes to the elders in 1 Timothy chapter 3. That's what he emphasizes about the widows in 1 Timothy chapter 5. The widows that are going to be put on the list, they're widows who have demonstrated faithful character of discipleship. This is front and center. This is what Paul emphasizes to Timothy himself. Here's what you need to do, Timothy. You need to, to work on your character, right? Let no one look down on you, he says to Timothy, because you're young, but rather in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity, show yourself an example to those who believe. Um, all across the board, to Timothy, to the elders, to uh, the widows who are cared for, the priority is placed on a person's character. And so that reminds us that uh, the, the church should be a greenhouse for growing men and women of deep Christ-like character. So again, whatever systems and structures we want to put in place, it's not to do religious activities. It's to cultivate an environment that helps people unlearn some maybe bad traits and bad habits and to rewire their character so that what comes out of them is routinely and consistently like Jesus. Do our church structures, our church programs, our church systems, does our church culture and environment foster and cultivate that kind of thing? Is it a greenhouse for growing great humans? That's what it's supposed to be. That's what Paul's vision is. Now, I recognize we live in a post-Genesis 3 world, right? We're, we're after the fall. We're outside of Eden. It's an uphill battle. It's not going to be easy. You're always going to have a mixed bag in the church. You read the New Testament. It was never an ideal, right? You have uh, the whole Corinthian situation. You have conflict in even a, a fairly healthy church like Philippi. We know there's false teaching and there's conflict that's undergirding some of the things Paul writes to Timothy. So let's not over-idealize the New Testament church in contrast to the modern church. We're always going to have this. My concern is, 
is that sometimes we just say, well, character's too hard to measure. We don't really know what's going on in a person's life. And we settle for someone that just, they're religious, they're involved, they're invested. We don't know really what happens in their home. We don't really know what they're like. But man, they got a great business and they're really, really smart. So we make them a small group leader. We make them a, a deacon. We make them an elder or whatever it is. And, and it's like, we haven't prioritized character. And so we need to prioritize character in our development of people. We need to prioritize character in our development of leaders, all kinds of leaders in the church. Um, my personal opinion at this stage of my life in ministry is that uh, with the rise of small groups in the church, that small group leaders ought to be deacon qualified. As it says here in 1 Timothy chapter 3, the kinds of stuff that it says to deacons, both men and women, well, Bible study leaders and small group leaders, they ought to be deacon qualified because they really are, that they're carrying on the work of the ministry of the church, just like a deacon does. Um, and so uh, are we prioritizing that? Are we just trying to get anybody in there to do it, right? Uh, we need to prioritize character. You know, there's an old business adage that says, hire for attitude, train for skill. In the church, we should hire for character um, or we should... Uh, you know, uh, recruit volunteers for character, train for skill. Um, and so we should prioritize that. Frankly, I think in ministry formation schools, Bible colleges and seminaries, that we've got to find a way to uh, prioritize character and character development and spiritual formation there. We've got to help people, uh, you know, dig deep within to their family of origin issues and some of that stuff and some of the things they implicitly learned and how they relate as a result of that and wrestle with all of that. And we've got to help people really become uh, models of Christ-like character. And so Timothy emphasizes that. When you read the letter of 1 Timothy, it emphasizes that over and over and over again. As frankly do like all the New Testament letters. In fact, when you read Paul's instructions to Timothy for the overseers and the deacons, when you read through that, uh, there's almost no skills mentioned. Uh, there is the ability to teach, not like they have to be a great preacher or a dynamic communicator. They have to understand the truth and be able to communicate it clearly and effectively. There's that skill. And there's the ability to manage his own household well, which implies a certain set of skills, right? That's it. The, the focus, the priority for Paul really is on the kind of person they are. And we need to prioritize that front and center in um, our volunteers and our leaders in the churches, in our ministry formation for uh, pastors and ministers and missionaries. We need to work harder at not just imparting theological knowledge and ministry skill, but also Christ-like character. If we're going to honor what Paul says to Timothy, we've got to prioritize that because Paul is concerned about how somebody conducts themselves in the household of God. That is the kind of person they are, how they interact with others, and the kind of character that undergirds all of that. So there you have it. Just a few reflections from 1 Timothy as we wrap up our study of this letter. Stuff that I've just been thinking about for years. Stuff that uh, studying through 1 Timothy uh, really just uh, prompted in me to think about and reflect on. And so share those with you. 
um, as just some thoughts that I, I think are really, really important for us to think about as we try to wrestle with what does it mean to be the church and how can we really be the kind of church that uh, God calls us to be, that Paul wants there to be in Ephesus. Uh, and I think that Paul would say, that I want there to be where you live too. Here in Boise, Idaho, where I live, um, in Denver, Colorado, in uh, you know New York City, in Cape Town, South Africa, in Newcastle, Australia, wherever it is, the kind of church that Paul wants us to be is a church um, that is relationally centered, like a family, and is rooted in solid character and is passing on that character to all the new members of the family. Let's be a church like that so that we actually know how we should conduct ourselves in the household of God, which is the church of the living God. Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Listener's Commentary. I'm 1 Timothy. The Listener's Commentary is made possible by the generous support of all sorts of people, people just like you. It is a listener-supported, crowdfunded ministry, and the ministry has continued to grow and to increase where I'm increasingly needing help um, admin help and various kinds of help. I just don't have the funds to employ the help I need. I actually have a person who is helping me a little bit. I'm paying them a tiny bit. Uh, I have much more work they could do if I had the funds to pay it. And so if you uh, are have been impacted in any way by this ministry, could I just extend an invitation for you to prayerfully consider becoming a supporter and a donor to this ministry uh, so that this ministry can continue to grow and expand and reach more people. The easiest way to do that is to swing over to listenerscommentary.com, click the Give button, and uh, it'll take you to a page where you can put in a dollar amount, click a little box that says Make This Monthly. So you can set up a recurring monthly donation right there, or uh, you can give a one-time donation if you're not able to do so monthly. So uh, thanks for considering that invitation as this ministry continues to grow and impact more people by the grace of God. I'm so grateful for that, and I'm so grateful for those of you who have made that possible by your generous, prayerful financial support. So thanks a ton for your support. May God bless you for it.